BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Shira Barlow, but you may know me as the food therapist. I'm so excited to announce Dear Media's first ever daily show, Good Instincts. If you've ever found it challenging to eat thoughtfully while juggling a busy schedule, then this show is for you. Instead of aiming to simply eat healthier, we'll focus on tips and mindset shifts that streamline the process. Because balance is key. And the less complicated, the better. Join me every Monday through Friday for bite-sized episodes designed to help you close the gap between where you are right now and where you want to go. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to my weekly podcast, Taste of Taylor. Okay, so this is a very exciting podcast because joining me is my wife, also Taylor. Hey, honey, hey. Hi, girl, hey. But today we have somebody who is very important in our baby journey. It's our doctor, our fertility doctor, Dr. Jamie Notman. Hey, doctor, hey. Hi. <laughs> I was like, I'm not prepared with the hey, hey, but I'm, I'm good. I'm high. We've been kind of covering our fertility journey and like where we are on Instagram and then also right here on Taste of Taylor, but we figured who better to have on than the expert herself, the woman who has been inside of our uteruses. <laughs> Are you Uteri? Is that the Uteri, plural? Yes. Uteri is the plural. Uteri? Not yeah. to brag, I took Latin in college yeah. or in oh. high school, so I kind of know. <laughs> You've been with us since the very beginning, and so you probably have some takeaway that maybe we didn't quite understand. So, and also I want to ask general questions as well, because sure. so many people, right. friends of ours, listeners, I mean, people are like, wait, I'm in my thirties. I'm like in my forties. Is it too late for me? You know, people have so many questions when it comes to fertility. Yep. You work at CCRM. Correct. Yes. Just explain what that is for anybody listening. So CCRM stands for the Colorado Center of Reproductive Medicine. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> CCRM was started in Colorado okay. by a man named Bill Schoolcraft. Um, he started CCRM, I think like 35, 36 years ago, and he always had the best success rates in the country. Mm -hmm. Um, it's sort of funny, but back in the day, you know, when people couldn't get pregnant at a different fertility center, they said, oh, you got to go to Colorado to see Dr. Schoolcraft. Wow. wow. And then he basically sort of took a show on the road and he opened up CCRM clinics around the country. And we are the New York version of CCRM. How many locations across the country? There are currently 11. Okay. I believe they will have 14 maybe by the end of 2024. You know, it's so interesting because 
through this fertility journey, we realized that California Cryobank is like the premier. Premier. Mm -hmm. Yep. And you guys are the premier fertility because so many people have reached out being like, oh, CCRM is the best. I didn't realize though. I thought everybody was just in New York. I didn't realize it was like nationwide. Yep. So it, we are, so in, in fertility medicine, you're really only as good as your lab, right? Okay. And so okay. the quality of the lab, the standards that the lab maintains is really where you get your success from. Mm -hmm. I always say to people like, you can like me or not like me. I prefer you to like me. But if you don't, it's, that's not where your success is coming from. Huh. Your success is coming from the men and women that work in the embryology lab. Well, we're obsessed with you, FYI. <laughs> we fell in love with you day one. Like, I honestly, I felt so comfortable with you. I literally was like, I feel like I know her. And I was I scared because I was married before to a man. And I was like, is she one of his sisters who hates me's friends? Literally, <laughs> that's how familiar I felt with you. That's so nice. Yeah. I always, I do try and, I, I think I'm very relatable. I try and be real because that's what I like as a like as a patient. Yes. Because I've had my fair share of being a patient. I'm like, I need someone to give it to me straight. Yep. Don't BS me. Tell me the real deal. Yep. And like, then I can move on. I do not want someone to lie to me. Like, I want the real information. How many drinks do you really drink a week? Like, <laughs> oh that, my, well, that's why I call it New York like, Social. <laughs> yeah. right? When I, it's funny, when I was going through, I had uh, breast cancer in 2020. And when I was going for surgery, I kept saying to the anesthesiologist, I'm New York Social. <laughs> and my husband was like, they don't know what you mean. I said, I'm very social for New York. <laughs> Wait, what does that mean? You're allowed at least one to two drinks a night. I love you. This <laughs> is amazing. And, yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. So we came in and so I just turned four. Yep. But we knew I was kind of, you know, we're, we we actually thought I was going to be the first one to go. We did. And then, Tay, you are 35, question mark, Correct. exclamation point. Correct. Okay, so when we came in, we were like, we both want to do this. Yep. Uh, we were kind of focusing on me going first. But the first thing that you do is you said in that first appointment, I remember you were like, you think it's going to go a certain way, especially when it comes to same-sex couples. Yeah. Um, but you said... I've had instances where the one who wants to carry can't carry for X, Y, and Z reason. And then the one who's like adamant about not even really wanting kids in the first place, me, um, is the one that ends up having to carry. Yep. So you scared the shit out of me. <laughs> I'm really happy it all worked out I'm the way really you did. I'm really happy it did too. <laughs> it's funny because I think about this one couple who they're like two women and one wife is pregnant. She never wanted to carry. And I was like, we got, you got to carry. Like That's, your wife's uterus is terrible. Yep. And I literally said it to them like that. And she was like, not man, I really am mad at you. <laughs> and they came back like five months later and she's like, all right, I'll do it. So it, we always, I, they, I'm still in touch with them. We joke around about it all the time. So what makes a uterus terrible or And let's perfect? talk because Taze, you said, and it's on, it's, I mean, it's yeah. on our Instagram. Yes. You said Taylor had the most gorgeous she uterus did. and mine was literally the upside down from Stranger Things. <laughs> <laughs> so my other patient I was talking about, they and and similar, like they, she, one of the partners has a huge fibroid, and so okay. fibroids that are quite large oftentimes need to be removed before okay. you can get pregnant. Got it. And fibroid surgery is not benign. It's not like a walk in the park. It can be pretty major, and you can be out of the game for at least six months. Wow. So I said, listen, you have one person who really needs major surgery, and one person whose uterus is like ready to go now. It's right. Sort of a hard decision to make the person go through the myomectomy, the surgery. Right. Right. Did I? Do I have fibroids? You don't have fibroids, but your uterus. What do was I not got going on? Really, as beautiful as your fibroids. <laughs> you know what? Sadly, this is the dynamic of our relationship yeah. in many areas. <laughs> Seriously, it was like when you went into your uterus and said that, and I was like, "Oh, wait till you see mine." I just knew it. Yeah. I just knew it. I was like, "Uh, definitely going to be the one." That's gonna <laughs> could yeah. let's say this? Could if Tay didn't have this gorgeous uterus, could I be in a position to carry, you or not? Certainly really? could. And that's the thing. We don't. 
listen, somebody can have major fibroid surgery, or major uterine surgery, wait their six months and then go on and get pregnant. Right. But I really feel like in medicine, we're always talking about risks, benefits, alternatives, options. And so if you look at, you know, you put everything on the table, you're like, all right, we have two uteruses here. Right. So why right. make one go through a crazy surgery if you, and you weren't like dying to carry. If you uh, were no, no, I was not. Carry, yes. It would have been a different situation. Right. Um, now, why is my uterus so much uglier than Taylor Donahue's? No, but for real, is it age? Because I know people are going to ask that question. It's right? not. So it's actually amazing. The uterus can be manipulated to do whatever we want it to do for as long as we want. That's huh. why you'll read these crazy stories. and You'll be like, oh, how did a woman get pregnant at 65 in India? Right? Right. Because even if you're in menopause, we can get a uterus to do what we want it to do. Huh. But sometimes you look at a uterus and you're like, oh, they may have a little bit of what's called adenomyosis, a little, maybe a fibroid. It's not like this picture perfect, beautiful uterus. Okay. How many of your patients have uh, beautiful uteruses such as my wife's? You would be surprised not as many as you would hope to see. Percentage wise, I'm dying to know. I would say like 50%. Yeah. But you, you know, like the uterus also endures, can have traumatic events, right? Like so... Let's say you get pregnant multiple times, but you keep having miscarriages. That can unfortunately cause uterine scarring, right? God so tips. there are certain situations where women start out with good uteruses, but in the end, there's been damage to it. And is there an age, like, would you say that there's an age where you want to really start these for, like an optimal age, I guess, to start fertility treatments? Because that's another huge question. Like, I mean, I just even knew coming in that 40 was getting up there. Yeah. 35 we're even starting to. And that's the thing that we realized too was, you know, while I'm older than Tay, actually we had, Tay went before me. Yeah. Because why? Her reserve appeared to be lower. So when someone comes in to assess their fertility, we're looking at their egg quantity. That's really where you're going to get hit based on age, right? Okay. So we as women are born with all the eggs we're ever going to have. Mm-hmm. We start to lose them actually when we're 20 weeks old inside of our the mother's uterus. Like it's, it's sort of crazy. But so then you're born, you have one to two million, and then the, the hit starts to go down. It starts to lose quantity. But as you age, you're losing quantity and quality. So the eggs that you have, let's say at 34, are not the same quality that you had at 24. Got it. So historically, women were coming in to freeze their eggs or, you know, talk about fertility treatment in their later 30s, early 40s. Mm -hmm. That dynamic has shifted dramatically in the past five to eight years where women are coming in younger and younger to assess their fertility, which is why the success rates are so much better. Gotcha. Also, I will say something that we noticed too, and I don't want to jump too far ahead. I want to go in chronological order, but when we came... Uh, on Super Bowl Sunday yes. for the egg retrieval, I was shooketh at how busy you guys are. And I want to be clear, guys, too. Yeah. CCRM, <laughs> you're very efficient. Like, I never felt yeah. like I had to wait a certain, like a long no. time there. But, like, I was taken aback by how many women are sitting in that waiting Packed. room. Yeah. Packed yeah. on Super Bowl friggin' Sunday. Yeah. So why is this? So we're seeing so many more women and couples um, go down the pathway of fertility preservation. Okay. So okay. that's where the data has changed. I don't think we see necessarily more infertility patients now it, than right. we did 10 years ago. Right. But we're seeing more and more women come in in their late 20s, early 30s saying, hey, I want to freeze my eggs. Got it. And and that's really where we're going to make a huge change, I think, if you come back in, you know, 20 years. Right. Because women are going to say, well, I froze my eggs at 29. I did this amazing thing. I, like, got a job. I traveled the world. And now I'm 39 and I want to use them. Right. And their rate of infertility is going to go down dramatically because they're going to serve as their own donor. Right. We're right. going to go back right. to their 29-year-old eggs and use them. 
So I think that's where the shift in fertility medicine has gone. It's a huge, huge push towards women coming in to just put it away. So it's not that more women have infertility issues. It's that more women are educated and know. Being more proactive about. Much more proactive. And are couples waiting longer in like the past 10-ish years? Definitely. So if you look at the age of first birth Mm -hmm. um, in this, not even just the U.S., but if you look at other countries in Europe, it's everywhere. It's above the age of 30. Which is so dramatically different than, you know, I think about my mom. Right. You know, like her generation, they were all in their 20s. Yeah. Yeah. So as women are pushing it and couples are pushing it, the rate of infertility has gone up. But now we're also seeing an awareness of that and mm-hmm. women are starting to freeze younger. And it's funny, your OB, who I'm a huge fan of, Dr. Blumberg, yep. she was, we were talking about this. She's like, you know, Jane, I'm sending patients now to much younger to freeze eggs. I right. said, yes, yep. we are telling women to do it younger because it's actually going to be better. What is the ideal age to come and freeze your eggs? I think late 20s, early 30s. Wow. As soon as you can afford it. Yeah. Literally. <laughs> my daughters know 21. They're like graduate college. They're coming in to freeze. They're like, mom, you're so weird. But I'm like, yeah. You're going to be so appreciative of that. So appreciative. Yeah. My little sister, her company, I think starting this year is going to start paying for it or at least partially paying for it. So Mm -hmm. she's going to, she's 30 now. So she's going to do it this year. I was like, don't wait. Just, and she's single. I was like, just do it. Just do it. Yeah. Speaking of paying for it, what is the average cost that people can expect coming into freeze eggs? We'll start with freezing eggs because it's different every step of the way. It is different. So egg freezing is going to cost you approximately $10,000. Okay. That is separate from medication costs. So medications are, in order to freeze your eggs, you need to take hormonal shots. They are hella expensive. <laughs> Which I have <laughs> extra if you need any. Yeah. Literally. No joke. People like, like pass them around between friends. It's I, I have so many. I don't know yeah. what to do with I'm like, them. don't throw that away. Give that to your friend. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, uh, no, no, but no. yeah, so sometimes the insurance company, if they won't cover your fertility, infertility, or whatever treatment you're going to do, they will cover the meds. So you may get cost saving there. But I say to women, the younger you are, the less meds you're going to need. So yep. you're going to save money there. And the shorter the duration of the treatment. Yeah. So it's sort of like my whole life is compared to a marathon. But I'm always saying like, when you're running the marathon and you're 20, you're going to finish faster. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. Like, it's the same sort of thing. You're going to get to the end in a much faster way. Right. And that, like, say $10,000-ish, that's one round, one round. of freezing. Mm-hmm. So you could get one, zero, five. You don't really know. Right, so and we're talking per- at eggs at this point because what eggs, we did right. is embryos, and we're going to get into that. Right, yep. but like you know, when I when we started this process, and they were like, "When are you starting your round?" I was like, "What's a round?" I, I had just yeah. terminology wise. If you're new to it, it's just that one full process of of retrieving the eggs, which is we call it a round because we, it's it's mapped around your cycle, your menstrual cycle. Right, right. So that's how we say, "Oh, t-, you know, we're big on like Wednesday one, Wednesday two, Wednesday twenty one." People are like, "I didn't know about these days." Yep. So yep. you start hormonal medications at the start of a cycle. Right. And then, how many eggs can you expect to get in your late twenties and your mid thirties, so on and so forth? So at, the younger you are, the more you'll get, right? Okay. And mm-hmm. I say the more they'll be worth. So if you get 10 eggs when you're 30, you're going to bank a lot more on those than if you get 30 eggs when you're 40. Got it. Because gotcha. the quality is better. Right. The first consult is super helpful, I think, for patients and, and for me as the physician because you're going to get an idea of egg quantity. Mm-hmm. So I can say, hey, Taylor, if you do this, you're going to get five eggs, 15 eggs, or 25 eggs. And hey, Jamie, this is the dose you need to give that patient to get her there. Got it. And then we can say, are we thinking we need to do this once? Are we doing this twice? Are we doing this three times? Like, what's the end game based on the quantity? Mm-hmm. Now, the biggest hindrance or the biggest bummer of egg freezing is you don't know the quality of your egg. Right. Precisely. Right? Right. So we have it's a numbers game. We have to gamble and play the odds. So if you say to me, and I have these conversations every day, hey, I'm 30, I have 10 eggs frozen. 
but I don't want to start trying to have kids until I'm 40. I'm like, you know what? If you really want two kids, you want to wait till 40, you should do it again. But if you're 30 and you have 10 eggs and you're telling me I'm going to start to try in a year, I'm like, you're fine. Right. You know? right. Got it. Okay. Because you don't know the real data like you do with embryos. Just, now, so right. that's where we are. So we skipped the freezing process and mm -hmm. just went right to the embryo. Exactly. Because we were already sort of working with California Cryobank. So we knew we were going to find a sperm donor. Yes. In X amount of months and we luckily Look. December 22nd I literally refreshed and we found them and we got them and it was great but we but didn't realize we thought we had a lot more time with finding a sperm donor sperm despite sperm. the gorgeous uterus yeah. yes it was your your levels were a lot lower than we had anticipated yes. so we kind of had to expedite the process right. which was kind of like an, an oh shit moment a little bit yep. but luckily thanks to you know a great sperm donor we were able to get our shit together really quickly he's cute he's so cute he's cute he's hot <laughs> and he's, hot. he's in finance <laughs> That's like rich jeans, right? Okay, we'll have rich jeans. Please, God. It's so funny. People always ask me, like, what should I look for in a donor? I'm like, I think genetics. Like, to me, that's what right. I would care about. Right. But, like, you know, it's whatever's important to you. Like, I, I think if you really want someone who's an athlete, then maybe pick an athletic sperm donor. Yep, we did. We, yeah. We're, like, the most superficial sperm people in the world. <laughs> we were, like, tall, athletic, hot, like, really so bad. I know. Check, but, check, check. Check, check, check. But he, he's even more than that. He really is a special person. Um, okay, so now we are at the embryo phase. Yes. Explain that process to everybody too and how mm -hmm. you go about that. Because there might be people listening who like, you know, they are married and so they can go right to the embryo. If you can go right to an embryo phase, should you? I just was having this conversation with the doctor on the way here. If you are ready to conceive, like if you're ready to have a child, right. I definitely think you should do embryos because you're ready to go. What are we just putting it off for the future with eggs? Right. right. Mm -hmm. But if you are not in a place where you and the person you're with think you're ready to have kids, I get nervous about embryos. Yeah. Because I have been there for way too many horrible conversations where the couple is no longer a couple. Even right? Longoria. Wasn't there like some crazy? Oh, no, wait, no. Uh, who was it? Oh my God! I'm, was, um, Sophia. Sophia, Sophia Vergara. Yep, it was like a. It's like an, it's. I think it's still Night an ongoing nightmare. So ongoing. They're like in a custody battle over these embryos. Yes. Because then yeah. you, I say like the female partner is technically going to get screwed because her egg quantity is going to keep dropping, right? So right. you make those embryos with someone, the relationship doesn't go right. where you want. It's six years down the road. And then you're like, oh, I think I'll just use those embryos. And the guy's like, no, you're not using my embryos. We're, we're divorced or we're getting a divorce. Right. And even though you think, but we signed this contract, it can go wherever it wants it. to go. Yeah. Right. Wow. And so I'm like, eggs are yours. Nobody's touching them. Right. Now, yes, you may not know, do I have a good egg or I don't? But at least they're yours. Nobody's stepping in to say, I want to oh, use that's that. That's tricky. Right. Have you I'm sure you've been sitting in the room sometimes when you're like, don't, don't do are this. You, that's why like I like <laughs> my ratings, some are good, some are not good. Sometimes I'll be after, I'll be like, Can I speak to you for a second? I'll be like, mm, no, I, I think we should do eggs. Yeah. You don't want to be in a place where right. you're begging somebody to let you use your embryos. This episode of Taste of Taylor is brought to you by Hatch Restore 2. Okay, listen up. If you have trouble sleeping, if you have trouble falling asleep, if you have trouble waking up in the morning, all three apply to me, honey, then you need to listen up very closely. It's time to make space for rest in your life with Restore 2. It's your new bedside sleep companion inspired by nature, backed by sleep science and designed to take care of you from sunset to sunrise. So I have horrible falling asleep and sleeping habits. I'm up like four times throughout the whole night. I try to go to sleep at a decent hour, but I always end up staying up for like hours beyond my like intended bedtime. And I'm going to blame something. 
I'm going to blame my cell phone because I go up there. I got my phone and I go to set my alarm. The next thing you know, I'm on Instagram or Tiki talkie. And then like the next thing you know, an hour later, I'm down a rabbit hole and I'm either wide awake or I, something has stressed me out. And that's why I love my Hatch Restore 2 because it gets me off my freaking phone. I've been using it now for a week. It has completely broken me of my late night scrolling habit. What I also love, okay, is it has a sound machine on it. So basically, I set it to like white noise. That's my jam. And my wife and I actually do fall asleep every single night to a fan, which is a little bit of white noise. But what I realized was it wasn't enough white noise. And with the Restore 2, it is such like a subtle and soothing white noise. It's not overwhelming. It's the best white noise I've ever slept to. Last night, the way I slept like a baby, I went to sleep at like 11. I got up at like seven on my own. I did go back to sleep because that's how I roll. But my alarm was set for nine. And when that alarm went off, first of all, is there anything worse on the face of the planet than your phone alarm? No, the answer is absolutely not. It's so chaotic and so aggressive and so awful. And that's also why I love Hatch Restore 2 because they tap into your circadian rhythm every morning with a gradual sunrise alarm that wakes you up gently. It gives off a very soft, subtle sound, a very little bit of soft, subtle light. And also I love it too because it's a clock by your bed, but like it doesn't cast this crazy harsh light at all in your room. It mean it's like non-existent, but when you look at it, you can still see the time. I am telling you, Hatch Restore 2 has changed my sleeping life. It needs changers too. Head to hatch.co and get free expedited shipping on your new Restore 2 so you can start feeling well-rested ASAP. Again, that's H-A-T-C-H dot C-O hatch.co and get free expedited shipping on your new Restore 2 so you can start feeling well-rested ASAP. It is a dream, pun intended. And now back to the podcast. I remember, so my first marriage, our photographer would always say like, I can tell like what couples are going to make it and which couples aren't. And I looked at him like, so like, we're not going to make it, right? And he was like, no. <laughs> but um, but like, I probably the same for you, right? You yeah. can tell which couples are like. At this point, like I've sat with so many thousands and thousands of couples. I'll be like, no. Yeah. And so what do you think about us? No, I was like, these they are awesome. And also, <laughs> if we're being like legit about it, it is well, your egg and it no is a sperm what, donor. Right. So like even so if we get divorced, I am a baby. I'm joking. But no, you could really screw me over actually in the long run. Seriously, yeah. right? Do I have to adopt our child? It depends on what state the child is born in. So New York. But New York, I do not believe you have to. Or New Jersey. I don't think either of those states. I would not want you. to tell you wrong information. Right. We'll but I do it. not believe you do because yep. you're a married couple. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In some states they would that don't recognize marriage like for same-sex couples, maybe, but not yeah, in New York. And do you have, you deal with a lot of infertility with men as well? I've yeah. had a lot of DMs from listeners yeah. who say like we used California Cryobank and CCRM because my husband was right. yeah, yeah, right. yeah, low sperm counter, whatever. Mm -hmm. So which really kind of blew my mind. You know, I wasn't really realizing what what a big percentage of the market that scenario 40 is. 40% of fertility cases have some aspect of male factor infertility. Not oh, wow. that it's primary, wow. but there's some component to it. Um is there an age where sperm, like like just with eggs for yeah. us, there's a quality 
in regard to age. So we call term. it like advanced paternal age, right? Uh-huh. And the line there is a little bit gray. We send sometimes we say 45, sometimes it's 50. But as men age, the quality and quantity of their sperm will go down. Yeah. Now we'll see like 70 year old men gonna, come in and say. I'm like, oh, but it's, <laughs> they will make sperm, right? But, right? but the point is it's not the same quality because it does, it does go down. Should men be freezing their sperm? It's a good question. I get asked yeah. this. Probably not. Like they probably, you know, most of the time you're not going to put off fertility until you're 55, right? right? So probably not in the same way. There are definitely instances where we freeze sperm. Let's say a guy is going to have chemo or radiation or surgery. Right? We know we need to freeze, although it's much less common. So you can freeze your eggs. You can do IVF, but in between, what's it called? Where like I could turkey base Tay at home, essentially, is like what it is. <laughs> so that is called IUI, intrauterine insemination. Because mm-hmm. we were we thought we were gonna go down that path before yep. we got her numbers back. Yep. And people like their brains exploded when we told them that. So can you yep. explain like what that phase what is, IUI? is? Yes. So IUI is where you take sperm and you inject it into the uterus. So when we do it in our office, we inject yes. into the uterus. When couples do it at home, they inject into the vagina, right? But because like that, that's the thing that couples do at home. Yes. Because the California do. Cryobank did say to us, depending on your levels, mm-hmm. you could have like a romantic night at home candles. with a fire. Yeah. yeah. So we wow. once we say like, you know, it's sort of think about like a race, the gun goes off. We're putting you like uh, 500 meters down the road, right? Because you're going right into the uterus where instead of injecting the sperm into the vagina. What would you recommend people do with IUI? Like do it at home or that should like, hey, yeah. I think it's, be- I mean, again, like I think it's better to see a physician. I also think you have to assess the whole situation because you never know. Maybe there's some other reason why insemination at home is not the best option for you. Right. But at the end of the day, if that's truly what you desire, you can do that for a few months, see where it mm-hmm. goes and then come back. You know, it's, I always think like with fertility treatments, it's like with life. You just don't want to stay in the merry-go-round and do the same thing over and over. We'll see right. couples who are like, I've done this 10 times at home. I'm like, what? Like, Why? dear God, get off the, you know. Yeah. Roll, and it's expensive. In. That's the problem. That's You're going to pay for right. the sperm vials. They're not cheap. Right. Well, okay. And speaking of, so we have, what do we have? Nine sperm vials from our guy? Or seven. Maybe. I don't know how many you use. We use one per. Okay. One. We always ask for a backup. So this is what I want to talk about too, because this is so crazy. Yeah. Yeah. You guys, you're taking, so there's a vial of sperm. How many sperms are in that vial? Millions. 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 Wait, seriously? Yes. yes. Millions? Yeah. So they, they go in and they take one one out of the vial. It's like so crazy. It's like magic school bus crap to me. It's you so poke it, And you poke it into the, the egg. Yeah. And, and like, inject it. how do you pick like the individual sperm? Because like, I always say like if to, to people, if you're having a bad day, like just remember, like you were the number one sperm. Like you're winning. You know, like you did something really important in life. So like, how do you, like, can you tell which sperms are better than the other ones? So I could not, but the embryology team can. So they thaw the sample. So they'll thaw the vial, the frozen vial. Uh-huh. And then they'll pick the best sperm that they see visually based on all the parameters and they'll inject it into the egg. And so that's how we got our embryos is through that process. So you extracted, what was it? 13 eggs 13 from Teddy. that morning. Yeah. 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 And, and then, then the next day, I think it was 11, like 11 mature. mature. What does that mean? So eggs are, um, ex- when we extract eggs, they're in different stages of development. Okay. So I always say, think about it, it's like the Goldilocks story, right? Some are over mature, some are under mature. We want to see 80 to 70 to 80% be just right. Just right. So you, yours were perfectly just right. And then those mature eggs have reached the stage that they can accept a sperm. Got it. So those are the 11 that we inject. And, and then, we then come, what happens? Then the embryology team comes back 18 hours later, next okay. day, and they see how many embryos were creative. So out of 11, we ended up with 
how many? I think you had 10, right? Ten, yeah, 10. ten but then rooms. like every day, like yeah. the attrition So what down. happens with that? Because yeah, so we start with 10 and now we ended up with two, maybe three. Yes. And we'll explain Correct. that in a little bit. Yeah. But like, why? Yeah, so that's another great question. So I always say like, it's, you got to think about fertility treatments. Like you may, you're going to start high, hopefully, and then you're going to slowly be knocked down at every step of the way. So from your 10 embryos, you want to see in an ideal situation in a 35 to 37 year old, you want to see about three to four make it to the advanced stage for testing. Okay. So the lab is like natural selection in a natural fashion, I say, right? Because if your embryos can't survive in our lab, they can't survive in the body. So we watch them grow and we say, oh, we come back on day three. We're like, oh, wow, now we're down to eight. And then on day five, now we're down to four, right? So they're sort of demonstrating competence by growing. So back in the day before we had genetic testing of embryos, that's how we deciphered which embryos were good to put back. First, we did day three transfers, right? And we'd right. say, oh, which one's made it to day three? Then the scientists figured out, how do we grow to day five? They're like, now we know how to grow to day five. Mm. Who's available on day five for us? Let's put those back in. But now we even amped it up one step further because we can genetically test them. So something else that even, my, so my dad is an ophthalmologist. He's a doctor, like, but his brain was even blown at the fact that so we have two embryos. We do know gender. We're not going to say on the podcast, but we, the three of us here, know everything. <laughs> Correct. Um, which is so crazy. Yeah. But like also my little sister just had my niece Scarlett and we like, you know, it's always, you don't really tell people you're pregnant because they want to do all the genetic testing yeah. at, after the first trimester. Correct. But we already have it, right? Yes, you do. That is so yeah. crazy. Yeah. So that's why the success rates in IVF are so good now, Got right? It. Because you now already know, so you know, okay, I'm putting back an embryo that has undergone, made it to the advanced plastic yes. stage. It's undergone genetic testing. So we're already jumping over all those hurdles. Hurdles. Right. Now, sometimes couples still say, I think I still want to do invasive testing in pregnancy to confirm it. I'm like, mm -hmm. yeah, you can totally do that. But you're saying you, you don't, don't have to. to. No, right. you don't have to. Yeah. Um, and but that's why the success rates are what they are. And that's why we only put one back in almost all of the time because we don't need to put multiple multiple in to overcome the hurdle anymore. So we have two and then one's like, I don't I don't it's understand. That. So when the testing gets done, the cells get sent for us, our cells get sent to Colorado because that's right. like the mothership. Right. They run the analysis and they tell us the data. If they can't read the data based on the cells they have, mm -hmm. they say this is inconclusive. We want another biopsy or or the patient can choose to transfer the embryo without the data. Mm -hmm. I hardly ever do that because I'm sort of like, if you went through the testing, we should know what this embryo is. Right. Maybe right. if it's a couple who's gone through multiple rounds of IVF and this is all they have. Got it. Of course, we Try could that consider one. that. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's really like an end game decision before you're going to go down another pathway. So out of our two, you know which one is better. Correct. Yeah. Okay, good. Then so that's I'm, the one we want. Yeah. Okay. I know who the, which the lab would say is better. I mean, I know because I sit with the lab all the time. So I know what we would pick. Right. And that's what we would do. And then you can, you sort of feel like, all right, we didn't really make a decision. We just did whatever we did. Um, There's also like rumors floating around that like people can pick like eye color and like all this. That, that's not real. You cannot pick eye color. You cannot pick height. I had a couple come in and it's amazing. <laughs> oh, she was like, I would like a tall son. And I wanted to say, I bit my tongue. I'm like, well, why did you marry a guy that was so short? I'm like, that is not possible. And I was like, Jamie, zip it. But um, I'm you, dead. you can pick. <laughs> specific genetic mutations can be tested. So for example, I, you know, I mentioned that I had breast cancer. If I was, if I knew my genetic mutation and I had not yet had kids, I could undergo IVF to not pass it along to them. Right. Wow. So things like BRCA, P53, check. We do that a lot. 
Um, and then couples do genetic carrier testing to yep. make sure that yep. they don't overlap, which we did for you guys too. So let's say two people come in and they're both cystic fibrosis carriers. Yes. Back in the day, you would get pregnant. You would go to your OB at 11 or 12 weeks. You would do a CVS. Yep. And if the mm-hmm. fetus carried the disease, you would have to make a horribly difficult decision. Yes. Wow. But now we em- eliminate that because mm-hmm. we're like, hey, we can actually check it out in the embryos and then you never have to go down that path. And now it's making more and more and more and more sense why you guys are so busy because it's not even people with infertility issues. It's like if they're carriers and they're concerned about something, then they can also go through this process as well. Correct. Wow. The cancer genetics has exploded. I always say like the fastest moving field in medicine is, is definitely genetics. Yeah. And it used to be, you know, if you know people with breast cancer or ovarian cancer, it used to just be BRCA. People would say, oh, are you BRCA? Are you BRCA? Mm-hmm. Now there's so many mutations we check for. Right. So we can screen that out in the next generation. That's insane. Yeah. Wow. Implantation is the next step. Yep. And we're thinking about like the fall. We want to have a last wild summer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My mom's like, so September 1st. No, yeah. Annie. Like- no, Annie. Not <laughs> September Why 1st. Not? Come on. Let's just do it like, I don't know, after what, Halloween. Mid-September? <laughs> After Halloween. That's late fall. That is not fall. I was going to say, that does not count as fall. That's late fall. Uh, then very late fall is what I'm looking September forward to. September 15th. No, let's really decide right now. For real. Date. Let's go. It's so nice in September. <laughs> you don't have to stop drinking. I was just going to be like, you can do whatever you want. Literally. Like, it does not end for you. No, doctor, not, she's not going to let me. Oh, please. Blink twice if you need help. I'm blinking twice. <laughs> Are you going to make me stop drinking when you're no, pregnant? No, that would be insane. Oh, really? That's so yeah. nice of you. I would totally make you stop if I was the pregnant I know one. you would. That's psychotic. <laughs> Actually blink twice if you need help. Um, okay, so. So what- with implanting, do I, is it just I go in and you implant it or do I start so, hormones again? And yeah. That? So we've now moved away from medicated cycles. So it used to be if I said, okay, I'm ready to transfer, the physician would put you on an estrogen patch or some form of estrogen to thicken your lining. Okay. And then you would add progesterone in and then six days later, the transfer would happen. Now we're doing a lot of natural, or at least I'm doing a lot of natural cycle transfers where we just use your natural menstrual cycle. And five, six days after you ovulate, we put the embryo back in. Okay. It's much like patients tolerate it so much better because Mm -hmm. the shots, the intramuscular progesterone was really a pain for a lot of people. Now we eliminate that. So would it give me a better chance if I took them? No, it does not change your success. Oh, it wouldn't. Actually, the data is now showing that having your own corpus luteum, like your own site of ovulation, Mm -hmm. may be better for the pregnancy and the fetus. Retrieval, egg retrieval. Again, you were like in and out. It was Super Bowl Sunday. We went and watched the Super Bowl after. She was like totally fine. Is that normal? Or again, is she like superhuman? She she was a little superhuman. Okay, okay. But also, I mean, the egg retrieval, you do have anesthesia. So you get, um, you know, you go to sleep, you don't feel it. Depending on how many eggs you get. So if you get 35 eggs, you're mm. going to feel it that night, right? Right. Mm. If you get two, you're probably not going to feel it. But again, Definitely. everyone does have different pain thresholds. Now, complications are very rare. Mm-hmm. If you were an unlucky person, like very, very rare number to get a complication, of course, it's going to be worse. But the majority of patients do totally fine. Yeah. And so now let's go all the way to implantation where we are. Okay. So September 15th, that's the date? Mm-hmm. Whatever. Okay. So... <laughs> I got to live it up. But that's good because then you'll be due in like, what is it, like May, May. I think. May. And then you have the whole summer. Good point. You want a summer maternity leave if possible, I would say. That's true. Yeah. That's really yeah. true. See? Yeah. And then you'll be out like drinking rosé. You'll yes. bring the, And then they're so little, the baby, they yep. can't do anything. Yeah. Put them under the table. Perfect. Literally. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. You're making me feel way See? more comfortable. There you go. <laughs> you know how to speak to me. Yeah. Um, what is the percentage of success rate with 
every implantation. So that depends on the embryo quality. So they range between somewhere low as 35% Mm. all the way up to 70%. Okay. Okay. So your embryos give you a 60% chance of success. Okay. The reason they're not 70 is they're day six biopsies, not day five. But that's still a very good chance of success. So it's like we have three, maybe we can get one, two, who knows. But like, would you recommend that we do another round of IVF? Because like she's 35, like IUI, is that really? And given her- I think her numbers. I mean, this is the thing. Like, we never know if someone's fertile or infertile when they come in and they haven't tried. So technically, you didn't try, right? You like right. it could try- have just taken correct. Right. So when I when your AMH was on the lower side, I was like, listen, you could be super fertile. We just don't know because you weren't having unprotected intercourse, seeing if the you know pregnancy took. When a woman comes in and she's thirty five and had your same levels and mm-hmm. had been trying for a year, I would be like, this is not going. This is much more challenging because you've been exposed to sperm month after month and you have not conceived. What we learned from you is that your egg quality is actually really good, Mm -hmm. right? You started with 13 to walk away with two or three embryos. That's a good situation. You're like, oh, this is great. If she does it again, she's still going to get a bunch of embryos that are good. Right. Uh Because your quantity may be lower, but your quality was good. Question. Yeah. Just came to me. Would it be insane to maybe in September start IUI and see if anything takes that way? Or is that a ridiculous decision given that we have these perfectly good embryos? I would say if you do IUI, you I mean, you certainly could, mm-hmm. but like why? 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 Yeah. I mean, yes, like maybe you have a transfer successful, you come back X number of years and then it's harder to get another embryo. Right. But right. you're still going to be under the age of, you're going to probably, if you came oh, back, you'd right. still be 38, 30. Like you yeah. wouldn't be 42 unless, because your kids yeah. will probably not have that big of an age gap. Right. So you're still in the in the place to do it. It wouldn't really make a difference. Right. And your point. quality yeah. was still good. So I would say no. Like, And then the, the thing about IUI, and I'm not saying it's not a good treatment choice, but if you know you have tested embryos, like right. you're sort of trying to avoid that horrible emotion of miscarriage. Exactly. Right. And yeah. so when it comes to IVF and implanting an embryo, you're not at a risk for you can it, it can certainly still miscarry okay. but so much lower percentage because when Got we it. miscarry when women miscarry it's almost always because the embryo is abnormal right so if right. you can screen that out especially yes. in women above the age of 35 right because our egg quality is is gone down and it doesn't mean you can't have an amazing child it just means the chance that that embryo is viable is less Gotcha. Because right. it has too many chromosomes. So an implanting might not take, but the chances of you miscarrying with an implantation is much is very low. Yeah. Okay, like I always say, like once we see a good pregnancy hormone and we see, like we scan somebody and we see a heart, we're like, this is great. You're right. in a good place. Well, I feel informed. Me too. <laughs> I have one more question for people listening. Is there a certain age that you guys are like, it's too late? So good question. So I have now, I really do not like to see women to freeze their eggs above the age of like 42 because mm. I I feel like in medicine, like we take an oath, right? Like we're supposed to try yes. and do no harm. And I'm not saying that people don't get pregnant in their like 43, 44, but I feel like to spend all that money to egg freeze, right. it makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable. Mm. No, I'm so, happy to have that honest answer because people have even said to me too, like, well, Janet Jackson had a baby at 55. And I'm like, well, I'm a but the, and and that's you can have a baby in your late forties, early fifties, but it's likely with an egg donor, and mm-hmm. that's a beautiful way to have right. a child. Right. But I I feel when couples or women come in and they're like, "Hey, I'm 48. I want to use my own eggs." I'm like, I can't really participate in that because I'm going to take a lot of money from you, and your chances are right. so low. Right. And again, that's where the risk benefit discussion mm-hmm. comes in. I'm like, there's still a risk to egg retrieval. Like, it's not a totally benign. So. If you're 49, should you go through that risk? Probably not, right? And if they, and if they say 
thank you for the concern, but I still want to do it. Will you go through with it? So or do you it, have to decide? Sometimes I case? say just not here. Like gotcha. I still, if you're totally without medical problems, I guess. But if you are have diabetes, high blood pressure, and like it's going to be very challenging, I'm like I don't, I don't want to sure. do this. Sure. Um, but egg donor is an amazing option, which a lot of couples choose and is a great way to have a family. It just, mm -hmm. you may say that wasn't right for me. And so I don't want to do it, gotcha. but it's still a good option. Yeah. yeah. Dr. Notman, thank you so much this for joining so us. Fun. We're obsessed with you. Like literally. <laughs> in love. I bet all your patients like want to be your best friends after they work with you, right? <laughs> yes, they do. I don't know about that. But um, no, it was, it, you, it was amazing to work with you both. And yes. like, it's, it's you you could feel like the love and energy between the two of you. Thank you. Met. Like, I was like, oh, this is a good couple. This, <laughs> this is good. I'm a little crazy, but <laughs> she, no, but like, she I, balances me out. <laughs> no, but I like, I'm like, like, I'm like a mile a minute. And I'm all like, oh, yeah. I can relate to you. But this, you're way more of like the like, yeah. <laughs> We should all be New York social together. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, I can't wait. I always tell Isabel when she sends me a couple I love. I'm like, can I come in the delivery room? Yes. <laughs> Would you? 100%. No, so she, I was. Well, but one time she was I was truly going to come and then it was like COVID and I couldn't. But talk about someone who's amazing in a delivery. She is like the calmest individual. Yeah. I, oh, my God. The second I went into her office for just like a regular screening, yeah. like I, I hadn't been to the OBGYN forever. She was like, I was telling her about me and Tay. And she was like, you're going to have a baby. And the Taylor's going to be my favorite couple. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I was like, wait, I'm not ready to have a baby. And then Tay was like, I want to go see her. I was like, you can't go see her. Like, well, she was going to push it. But here we are. Yeah. No, and yeah. it's good. And I'm. I get more and more ready every single day. I always say this. I love Taylor more than I, not, I love not having kids, which is probably a scary thing for me to say. But I think I'm warming up to it. Having my niece has really helped me warm yeah. up to the idea of having kids. So. I think you're never really ready. Like people always ask yeah, me that, like, okay. how do you know if you're ready? I'm like, you never know if you're ready, right? right? And like, right. then you do it and you're like, oh, I can't imagine my life without, without that person yes. or without that, you know? And it's like, I mean, maybe it's because what I do, but I think be, being a mother has been the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. Like, there's nobody I love more than my children. It, and it's just like an amazing thing. I always feel so blessed to give it back to couples because I know how amazing it is. Right. Yeah. And your daughter's with us today. <laughs> she, my Kelly. little plus one. Hi. <laughs> um, thank you so much for joining thank us. You thank you for having you. me. And where's your office in the city? 810 7th Ave. So 53rd and 7th. Amazing. Thank you so All much right. for joining us. Thank you. You guys, that is it for us. Um, thank you so much. You know I always say this. Please make sure to subscribe to the podcast. That way new episodes will pop up for you. And uh, rate and review as well. Five stars would be uh, preferred. But I'll take anything. And just give me an HGH. Hey, girl, hey. You don't need to like write some long thing. But the reviews mean the world to us podcasters. So it's like equivalent to like tipping a waiter. Anyway, guys, thank you so much. Have a great one. Until next week. Bye, girl. Bye. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.